<laughs> hi friend hi friend this is kate akuka daisy and it is great to have you listening today what i aim to do with the wider ministry and this podcast of i am free woman ministry is to help you heal and transform your heart and mind as you choose to live free in christ every day I believe healing is our choice, and once we embrace the process, we can truly heal others as we are healed. So I say healed people heal people. (laughs) So this is season three, and yes, your girl, your sister, I did not take like a vacation, and I would sometime soon, but I wanted us to kick off season three with a fun conversation with a dear sister of mine. But before we do that, this season three, we are going deep into being set apart. And I'll have some time to talk more about what I mean by going deep to be set apart. Right now, what I want you to know that in season three, we are going to be caring for our hearts. So how can we be free or free our hearts. And then also I want you to purge and surge. Yes, you heard that purge and surge. And then also know that happiness is a great feeling to have. And joy is the best spirit fueled emotion to douse any pain and hopelessness that one may feel. Let's welcome a childhood friend and family friend of mine and sister. Dr. Nana Wilmot D'Souza, all the way from Minnesota. Yes, I call her Nana. And even when I introduce her on the podcast, I did not even say doctor because I'm so used to calling her Nana. But she is Dr. Wilm- Nana Wilmot D'Souza. And I get to call her Nana. You get to call her Dr. Wilmot D'Souza, okay? Because she worked hard for that. <laughs> So this episode is a fun opening to season three as we talk about wearing your God-given crown with confidence and being empowered to rise. Dr. Wilmot D'Souza does not mince words sharing about her personal struggles with shame and walking the journey of healing. As a mother to a rising middle schooler and a kindergartner, she understands the assignment as a parent, but also as a black female doctor working and serving in diverse communities and groups of people. She has got to have a strong backbone, a hope-filled wishbone, and a courage to laugh with the funny bone. Yes, you hear and sense all of these in our conversation that's coming up. As you listen, here are some nuggets for you as always. God's plan is better than your plan. Sewing is risky business, but the outcome is worth it. The discipline can feel like a punishment at the time, but you will reap a reward if you do not give up. God does not know moving from A to Z. He moves A to G to T and back to P and then maybe head to X and then O and so on. This means enjoy the journey with trust and faith. You must challenge the culture narratives that dims the light of Jesus in you. Remember, you are a masterpiece. You must be in the truth even when you don't feel like you're walking it well. Fear and insecurity can cripple you when you act as your own shepherd. Remember, you have a great shepherd. Confidence begins with confide, which implies trust. Walk in the way of love and go in the strength you have. Being affirmed is powerful. Whenever you hear who you are not, 
Remember to run to the one who knows who you are and affirms it every day. Never run out of salt. Never dim your light. The moment you feel like I should is comfortable, remember I can be so freeing too. Move from I should to I am. We had a great conversation, which I know you will enjoy too. And remember to choose to be free, choose to live free and choose to stay free. Being faithfully renewed, encouraged exceptional women and men of God. This is Kate, your Chief Joy Activator. Until next time, may God's goodness and mercy follow you always. And remember, healed people heal people. So go out there and heal someone today. Choose to live free. I love you. Enjoy the conversation. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining Choose to Live Free podcast. Y'all, I have today one of my favorite sisters, one of my favorite people in the world. And if I tell y'all how we connected, you'd be like, what? So I am going to have her introduce herself. But this is what I have to say. You know, when you're growing up and you have like family that becomes like family. This is one of those individuals where we are not blood related, but it's kind of like, I can't marry from her family and she can't marry from my family kind of deal. (laughs) (laughs) That's how the family is. And I grew up with her, not directly because, you know, I was thinking about it before we hit record, before we joined, I was like, so growing up, we had like the areas that we grew up in, Chapel Hill, Anaji, Beach Road, that type of thing. And in all those areas, it's kind of like our parents decided to have us around the same age. So when I think of like one person, I'm like, okay, so in Anaji, we have this group of people that are like the same age as me. When I think of Beach Road, we have these group of people that are the same age as me. But when I got to the Wilmots, the same age as me. (laughs) So Unfortunately, I don't have an age group with her family, but <laughs> <laughs> but we have, I mean, we all grew up Chapel Hill, the elementary and middle school. Is that what we think it is, Nina? Elementary, mm-hmm, middle school, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Elementary, middle school, primary school, all that. We all went to the same school. So we've kind of run in the same circles. And, and our parents. Our, our parents. parents too, right? Our parents too. So you know, when you're growing up with the group that you grow up with, you never forget them. They are friends, they are sisters, they are brothers, all that. And so when I reached out, I was like, you have to come on the podcast. She's like, I'm ever ready. Whenever you want me to come on the podcast, let me know. And here we are. It's been a number of years. She came to Atlanta at some point. I'll let her tell her story the first time she came to the house. (laughs) What happened? (laughs) But everyone, um, I've spoken enough. Let's welcome my sister, Nana Wilmot D'Souza. Hi. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Go ahead. It's like an interview. It's like you're just in the living room. Go ahead and introduce yourself to the people out here, sisters. Yeah. So I am... Uh, Dr. Nana Wilmot D'Souza. I know I'm a long name, <laughs> but I am a family and lifestyle medicine physician based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I it's have, cold. It's cold. <laughs> um, I have a husband, Francis, and my two kids, my daughter, nine, um, Eliath, 
and my son who is five and his name is Ezra. And that's pretty much a summary of me. <laughs> she's a daughter. She's a sister. She's a friend. She's a lover of God. She is all of those things. And, yeah. you know, here I choose to live free. We like to talk about God. So I'm not shy about that. <laughs> so yeah. our conversation is going to be all over the place. So bear with us. Okay. Um, and I like for people that I know, I like to always tell our audience how we connected or how we reconnected. So let's go way back. I don't even remember the year. What year was it when you came to Atlanta? <laughs> I think it was like 2010, I think. Yeah, probably 2010. <laughs> um, I So I moved to the U.S. in 1996. Oh, <laughs> I know, right? And um, went to high school in Texas, college in Texas. And then I knew from a young age, I wanted to be a doctor um, because in Chapel Hill, um, we had a thing was like Brenda Aqua, um, mm -hmm. one of our friends who passed mm -hmm. away. Um, Ooh, and so we one. wanted to do science and we wanted to go to the same school, do all this stuff. Her dad was a doctor and we there were a group of women. I think it was Dr. Chris's wife. Yeah, Dr. She Chris. was my doctor. Dr. And then <laughs> um, another doctor. They came to Chapel Hill, talked about medicine, and and we're like, wow, women can do this, and you know all this stuff. So I started to think about that, but then you know you start hearing about the impossibilities and blah 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 and. Um, you're like, okay, well, this is kind of what I want to do. So I went through the whole rigmarole and eventually ended up in medical school in the Caribbean called Ross University. And the thing with Ross University is you go to the island and then after the island, you come to the U.S. and you do rotations all over. And well, it was super, con I, I, my tenure in medical school was a whole, it's a whole nother podcast, but um, <laughs> just, just give them a gist of, you know, it's not easy. That one, I think, no. we know. yeah. So, I mean, it was a struggle in terms of, I mean, I think all of us think we're capable of doing something, but you add living on an island, you add um, a pretty rigorous course and a high um, kind of rate of turnover for mm -hmm. students because of many different things. So it was literally just an act of God to even just finish um, that part on the island. And then getting to the U.S., they're like, okay, if you want to graduate on time, you have to block. I was like, okay, I don't care where I'm going. I will go wherever. And then they were like, oh, you know, there is Atlanta opening up in like two weeks or something. And I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. So I call Kate. I'm like, hey, I need to be in rotations in Atlanta. Can you please, you know, I don't know anywhere, anybody, all that. Can, you, can I please come crash with you? I didn't even have a car. <laughs> I just showed up to Atlanta in faith and hope that I will make it. And, and, so. and you know it's so interesting because I remember when you you messaged me I don't even know what it was Facebook or phone number I don't know 
But, you know, it was one of those moments where, you know, growing up in passing, and this is where you're like, you know, like life really can happen. Growing up in passing in Chapel Hill, I didn't know you personally. I knew of your family. I knew of, I think the one that, the one I knew was Mansa because she was right ahead of me. Mm-hmm. I knew of you in passing, but it was kind of like, we didn't talk. We didn't do anything like that, right? It was like I said, the age group, like everybody had their group that they hanged with. Yeah. And so when I got your message, I was like, oh, okay. And by that time, at that time, my husband had deployed. So I was like, it was just me and Sasha. <laughs> Another story with Sasha. Girl, right? Sasha. <laughs> And so I was so happy. I was like, yeah, you know, come on in. And yeah. then she came to Atlanta. Atlanta <laughs> was interesting, but it's by far, um, yeah, it was good. It- when I reflect back on, um, you know, our relationship when you were here, it's kind of like you had so much going on in school. I had so much going on, like at work and personal. My husband is not. So we really... If I remember, I was like, did we even like go places a lot together? Like went I remember to church this, a lot. Yeah, went to church a lot. Went to the symphony. Remember that Christmas symphony? Yeah. Went to one of my friend's house for Thanksgiving or something like that. Yeah. But but if I had to do it all over, if I had to do it all over, it's like that moment where you actually pay attention to the people in your life, right? It's yeah. like, mm-hmm. like right now I look back, I was like, wow, that's kind of like, it was kind of like a moment in time, like a moment mm-hmm. in time. So, yeah. So yeah. And then she met her husband. I know. Dad. I was like, I need a car. <laughs> so that was enough. <laughs> car hookups. Uh, thank the Lord. <laughs> she met she met Francis oh my goodness so so yeah so that's you know like she can tell you all about medical school the struggles and all that and I have seen I sometimes see on Instagram how medical students are making it like the word normalized they are normalizing how difficult it is like if you get rejected the first time the second time know that it's normal because we all think like oh first time you get in right but apparently that's not the case. <laughs> you know, It's like a whole story behind how many times you have to try to get into medical school. So, so kudos. I mean, I know you, Ifwa, the doctors, I mean, you guys are doing it and um, it's great. But I want you to kind of share with us, where was God in all of this? When you started mm. that journey and the struggles started to really happen, where was that? I mean, as a matter of fact, let's go way back. When yeah. did you really re- re- realize that your relationship with God was probably the best foundation you needed to walk through life? I would say college. I mean, because, you know, college, um, I mean, I did high school here. So by the time I got to college, it was kind of like, okay, I know what I want to do. How do I get there? And even down to the specific college I went to, it was all kind of like planned, you know, because I wanted to go one way to, I wanted to go to Baylor University because that's where my cousin was going. And then I found out how expensive it was. And I was like, oh, okay, well, never mind. And so I actually had to take a gap year after high school 
before college. And sometimes I even forget I did that. But when I took the gap year, there was this missionary family in um, where I was living and they happened to be really familiar with Ghana and their daughter was working at a day trading company. And so the daughter was like, oh, we're hiring at our job. And I'm like, day trading. I know nothing about it. I know. And she was like, I work in the accounting department. And I'm like, I know nothing about accounting, but okay, sure. So I got in at the accounting department and I flourished. They were flying me to conferences. So by the time I got to college, I had tuition money cash to pay for college. And so I was able to leave college debt-free before debt-free was even a thing, you know? Um, but again, when you talk about where was God in this, for me, not going to Baylor and um, having to take a gap year felt like a punishment. But in hindsight, it was actually what was able to get me to undergrad debt-free, knowing that medical school was going to be an expensive ride. So that, when you talk about where it's gotten this, it was from beginning. Um, and, you know, often you forget, but as I'm talking to you, I'm like, wow, yeah, you know, this, it was all from, from start. Yeah. And as you're talking, I was thinking back to my devotion so this month i'm doing the book of hebrews and today hebrews 12 hebrews 12 i have to kind of i'm a visual learner so i have to kind of visually see my bible in my brain hebrews 12, 12 talking about um discipline and um it, and it comes right after hebrews 11 where it talks about faith and you know nobody likes discipline says in there you know it's not pleasant at the time when you're going through that but later mm -hmm. on you reap the rewards and all that so as you're talking about you know taking this gap year and not having to go to Baylor because it cost a lot of money and all this stuff and now you're going to college debt free right mm -hmm. and I wrote down you know this sometimes the discipline can feel like punishment, but later on, there's a reward that is reaped on the other side if you do not give up. Absolutely. And and the undergrad, I ended up going to Prairie View A&M University, which is a historically Black college in, uh, right outside of Houston, literally is the best undergrad I could have ever gone to, right? Because that's what catapulted me to put me into places of going to um, University of Massachusetts to do research and I mean on and on and on Columbia University so it took me places that ordinarily I wouldn't have had access to um, because that was their goal their goal was if they knew what you wanted to do they would help you get there and so yeah, it was, it was, it wasn't even in my, like, on my radar, but. It wasn't on your plan. It was not on your plan. Not and, at all. And, uh, you know, I think we quote this on the podcast a lot, Jeremiah 29, you know, the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we are trying to figure out what the plan is, but you know, God in our lives growing up, we all have experienced it 
differently, I think. Because uh-huh. growing up, you know, uh, we went to Methodist Bethel. You know, we went to sit in the pews, you know, uh-huh. all that. And then you, you do the hymns, all that, all that. But the relationship that we're supposed to have with him oftentimes, you know, comes after when you are grown and you've been through some things and you build this yeah. personal relationship with him. And then you realize that, wow, the plan that I had growing up, I thought it was going to be a street shop. <laughs> street shop. And he's taking you here and here like, and here. God does not know A to Z. He's like <laughs> Q, T, whatever, A, and back to Z and all of those places. I like that. God does not know A to Z because he doesn't. He no. doesn't. You know, God takes you on this journey. He interrupts your plan, whatever plan it was. And then undergrad was great, debt-free. And then you go on to more schooling. I know medical school is more schooling. So tell us, you know, when did you decide that, okay, this is not my plan. I'm going to give it to you. And whatever you're asking me to do, I'll do. When did you really like surrender your plan? If you had a plan? Well, I think after undergrad and then you apply, you're like, yeah, no, you're not good enough. It's like, okay, well, what's next, you know? And hold on. I told y'all it's going to be good. Good, not good enough. Let's let's put a pin there. Let's put a pin there. Hold on. So not good enough. Not good enough. Not good enough. That phrase, not good enough. I have it on my podcast schedule for a topic I'll talk about. But I want you to, let's talk about that. Not good enough. Mm -hmm. That phrase, that statement, whatever it is, I don't agree with. Because there are two places in the word of God that, contradicts this statement not good enough and good enough in itself says that you're average and I know that the God that created me did not create me to be average Mm -hmm. in Genesis 1 he creates us and then he says very good yeah very good and then in Hebrews it talks about us being made perfect as we are being made holy so for someone, when someone says, you know, I'm not good enough, or they infer that I'm not good enough, I challenge that. Now, I didn't know that then. And that's why the word of God is also very powerful, right? In healing us. Tell us about what you think when you hear these, this statement, good enough. Oh, you, you just have to be good enough. Yeah. You and I have daughters. So, yeah, you know, yeah. we know. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, right, that's the narrative we tell ourselves or somebody imposes on us and, you know, it's like, it's a constant battle. You know, if you're talking even probably from childhood, you're always like, Oh, you gotta do it. You know? So it's like always this thing where you have to perform or you have to um, just be good enough. You know, there's not ever a time where it's just like, yeah, you know what? your excellence in this it may not be this way we want it this way but you know it's kind of one of those things so I mean even now as an adult um these are things you still have to fight through every single day every single moment of just being like challenging that narrative because if not then it owns you um and it 
it ruins you basically because you're trying to always fight from a place of being good enough um it's like it's like you in the room with me when I often tell clients you have to challenge your thoughts Mm -hmm. and I like what you said you said challenge the narrative yeah put cultural narrative in there because if not you know the word of God and the culture we live in are two different entities Mm -hmm. and we are trying to live in this world and do it God's way and sometimes we have this tug of what the world is saying and what the word is saying and this is one of those things not good enough it's like oh you just have to perform at average but then when you go to Colossians it's telling us to do everything that we can with excellence Mm -hmm. so it's good enough like maybe just subpar I don't want to be subpar you know so Mm -hmm. I want us to kind of touch on it because I really want for anyone that listens to this podcast, I always say that I want you to experience the stories of our guests and to experience what they've been through. And this is one of those where Dr. Wilmot is telling you to challenge that narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Expand there actually, on that. There was actually a, few, a couple of years ago or so at my church, we had this thing called Freedom, Freedom Encounter. And Freedom Encounter basically is an eight-week course. And it, again, teaches you to unearth all these things. And then you, at the end, kind of unpack all of this from childhood all the way to now. And we had to pick a word. We had to pick a word that we felt God was speaking over us at the end of it. And so mine was enough. Um, and so actually somebody, um, made a bracelet wow. for me, she made a bracelet for me and the bracelet said enough, right? Um, because again, you went from feeling not good enough because you can get into a U.S. school or whatever your circumstance is. But again, when is meeting a certain criteria or whatever challenges you have doing it the way it's supposed to be when is when has that ever been the definition of enough or not good enough right so it's kind of one of those things where we have to just work on knowing what to accept and what not to accept but it's also coming to the end of yourself and knowing that okay wait no um I am a I am a masterpiece, right? Mm. This is my new um thing. Actually, it's gonna be on the wall in one of my um rooms that you are a masterpiece because you are. And if we don't own that, how can we ever flourish? How can we ever thrive? How can we ever be the women, the people, the whatever you do? How can you ever do that and do it well if you are walking into your assignment, not feeling good enough, right? It's, it's a challenge. It's, I'm, I'm walking through that now. So it's, it's, you know, these are all things that we have to daily, you know, it's kind of a daily thing. And that's why I love what you said about your masterpiece, because that's in Ephesians. And um, I always say that you are a masterpiece and God has the master plan. And you just have to, and he's the, the master architect, 
you know, mm-hmm. like he knows what he's doing with you. Um, but even just, and I want to go back to the narratives that we grew up with. Oftentimes, I would say when I look back for my personal story, there was there wasn't much biblical emphasis on those narratives. You know, we go to church, we do our thing, and it's like church is separate from the home life. You know, how much time do we talk about God? Like in the United States, and probably you and Francis do this, but with our kids, spending time with them, reading the Bible, like doing devotions and stuff like that. And, you know, it's kind of like talking about God so that they have a personal relationship with him. And not like, if you do this, God is going to punish you. You know, like God is going to judge you and all that. That's like one narrative that we saw about who God is. And then you grow up and it's like, wait, he's more than that. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, I think, I think the cool thing is, so grow well. So my upbringing is like different, right? Mm-hmm. From my even from my siblings or many of my friends, because I grew up like up to age like fifteen in my parents' home, <laughs> and then I had to spend the rest in someone else, you know, some mm-hmm. somewhere. Else. So mm-hmm. I I feel I'm like a fragmented <laughs> individual because I'm like experientially I I probably you know that's I I'm like all over the place but I think I remember my parents used to have um morning devotions my uncle actually so when growing up my uncle my mom's younger brother lived with us and he was the we obviously all of us we went to church we went to Anglican church but he went to Fijai Secondary School and he came, he went, he got born again in school. So he came home and told us this whole born again thing. And we're like, oh, okay. And wake us up at like five in the morning and we have to have morning devotions. And he led us to Christ and all of that. But so for me, that happened. And then I moved. Mm. and so then there was no discipleship Mm. in terms of Mm. you know that so it was kind of like that 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 happening and then boom and then and you're in a different culture different everything right (laughs) different (laughs) environment and so it was kind of like a topsy-turvy thing until then I went to college and um, I think second year or something, I found a group and, you know, became more involved and stuff like that. So I was kind of like my teenage year that was kind of like a shifty missing part because mm-hmm. cultural, uh, every, everything, there was lots of transitions in life. Mm-hmm. So. And he never, he never leaves you. Right. That foundation was there. It's kind of like the seed was planted. And then at the point when every single guest that I've had on this show, on the show, always pinpoints exactly when they needed God the most. And when he finally was like, all right, we're ready. Let's pick up where we left off. Right. So, so here you are, you have gone through medical school and 
oh, you're going into your graduate program, you're starting all these. And the question that I asked earlier before we kind of took a detour and talked about not good enough <laughs> yeah. was um, you where, where you really felt like your struggles, like you couldn't do it on your own. You needed to bring God into the fold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think if, if we look at it from like, in terms of your own abilities, I'm like, I would definitely not be a doctor. <laughs> because, yeah. The other day, somebody was like, oh, you act like a nurse. I'm like, I don't know if that's a compliment or that's a, I don't know. But anyway. Um, However you look at it, this is where you go back to enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, sure. Um, sounds good. But um, so it's totally not my own um, merits at all. Um, funny story. So on my way to Dominica, West Indies for school, we have to fly to Puerto Rico. And I, I get there and we got stuck. I had no luggage. So I show up to school in this foreign country with no luggage. And I'm like, see, this is a sign. God, you don't want me here. <laughs> like, I don't need to be here. I have no business being in somebody's island with no clothes, except for the clothes that were on my back and like something small in my hand luggage. Otherwise, I had no clothes. Um, but God provided. God provided in terms of like, there was an uncle in Ghana. He FedExed me a couple of shirts from Ghana. I mean, it's like, who does that? Um, so he provided every step of the way. And then even in med school, right, the failures, I I, I failed one class by like yeah. one point and you have to repeat the whole semester wow. of one class. And so there was a lot of shame. There was a lot mm. of rejection. Um, the people you started with, you felt like you had to hide from because you couldn't, you know, they passed you and you were not, again, you were not good enough like before. And so you're always challenging that. But again, it's like he always meets you, even in those failures, even in those rejections, because when I failed, then I, the next class behind me were a whole group of like, Africans and they are still my friends to this day right um however many years later 10 plus years later they are still my friends some of my business partners but if I had gone forward I would have never met them mm -hmm. um one of them was even my maid of honor so in terms of how God can use we feel like it's punishment again, but it's like, he's like, no, I got you. I can, I can turn rocks into whatever I want because I'm God. So, you know, it, even in that, even in the failures, the rejection, the shame, I remember shame. I, I like when you, when you can't walk outside because you are, when you walk outside, you feel like just shame, just like, <laughs> Was it, was it like, uh, no, Mordecai was fine being in his clothes at the, 
Castlegate. Yeah. You know, it wasn't that kind of. <laughs> no, it, it like you know, I'm trying. I well, I'm, I'm a middle school feeling of what Job felt like, but I mean, Job was like you know, went from rich <laughs> to being broken. So shame, but you you can feel what shame feels like. It's it's like you you walk outside and you feel it. And I remember I felt that for months, 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 months. There are some people I would have to, I would see them coming and then I'll walk the other way because I'm like, I don't want them to see me. I'm a failure. I love that, you know. So how did you how did you walk this out? Um, what have you done to kind of, you know, sh- I don't want to say shake it off, but yeah, shake it off in a healthy way that, you know, now you can stand tall and walk and say that, yes, I earned these rights to be here just as the next person. Because even me being in school now, uh, when it gets tough, our professors will be like, now, you know, when you become this person, nobody is going to look for your transcript <laughs> to see what grade you had and all that stuff. Yes. All you need to do is pass. <laughs> that is absolutely right. Um, and I think the ways that things that helped um, surrounding yourself with people who are who are grounded, who are like-minded, who I'm, I'm telling you, these, these people that I found, um, and they were all Christian. We, well, it was like, they were all Christian. So men, women, and then the women we uh, banded together mm-hmm. and we would have prayer nights. So I'm talking mm-hmm. people would be like studying and we would be praying and people are like, shouldn't you guys be studying? And we're like, you know, I'm like, listen, I need all the prayer I can get to get out of here. So, um, but it's just been that continual work of being in the truth, even when you don't feel like you 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 are walking in it, um, because it, it feels messy and it feels chaotic and it feels just like the ground under you is not solid because you can't see it. Um, but you just have to keep going and keep putting one foot in front of the other, and then you look back and you'd be like, ah, okay, <laughs> we're going somewhere. <laughs> but before you're just like, ah, I feel like, you know, I was telling somebody that I feel like you're, you get, you get to like the edge of a rock or a cliff and you're supposed to jump, but you're so scared you can't jump. But it's supposed to be like the most thrilling and exciting adventure of your life. But you're just like looking at the expanse of the nothingness you could fall into. Mm-hmm. And you're still supposed to jump because looking you when you turn back, well, you're going to miss it. Mm-hmm. If you jump in it, you could die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, what, what do you do? You just jump, jump with your eyes closed. <laughs> Joyce Meyer. Joyce Meyer has a book that I love. I haven't finished reading it because I have so many other books to read, but um, she it's titled Do It Afraid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, my patients that I see, um, a lot of it has to do with anxiety. Mm. And every time, you know, we're talking about fear and it all is rooted in fear, you know, fear of this, fear of that, fear, 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 fear everywhere. 
How fear has- and insecurity. Yeah, you're answering the question. Go for it. <laughs> uh, fear and insecurity will cripple you um, so that you don't walk in in what you're supposed to walk in because we are, you know, we, we, we don't want to mess anything up because it's like, Hey, we are acting as though we are our own, um, shepherds, right? We're trying to be the sheep, trying to be the shepherd. We're trying to be everything at the same time because, well, why not? We, we get to control the situations, but it's um, just like you said, doing it afraid, but the, the fear, um, I think also stems from not having enough confidence in who God is. The other day I was watching this guy, Myron Golden, who was talking about confidence, the, the root or the beginning of confidence is confide. Mm. And, and that kind of um, implies trust, right? Um, so it's like, mm, how much do we trust God? I trust God with this much or trust God with like some stuff, not everything. So, you know, so it's, it's just, it's hard. It's hard. hard. It's hard. And we, uh, three being people, body, soul, spirit, Mm -hmm. and Again, a lot of our narratives stems from what we have experienced, what we have been trained to do and see, and the, the messages that we have been, you know, brought up to to see. And self-esteem, building up self-esteem and self-worth in young women. And I'm going yep. to qualify young African women. I'm going to qualify it again, maybe young African American women. Mm-hmm. Is it, for for me and my personal story, you can talk about yours. Um it's it wasn't like an everyday kind of conversation like make sure mm-hmm. that you know like it wasn't it wasn't and mm-hmm. like is it later on years later you're like wait self-confidence what's that self-worth what that? what's that <laughs> self-esteem what's that going through medical school and experiencing shame and all these insecurities and all that what have you done to build this up knowing that maybe how you grew up those messages weren't as consistent as they should be mm-hmm. and that's my five-year-old trying to join the conversation <laughs> <laughs> hey I think that for me something that has been helpful is being a affirmed right being affirmed um by people that you know being affirmed being affirmed by knowing that you are in the right place being affirmed by knowing that you're in the right place because it's like god can give you little little glimpses of saying hey see um you are in the um right place just keep going right it's kind of like watching um uh, your kid um as you, as a mother you watch your kids go from like you're holding them all the time to then they start crawling and then when they're when they start walking you know how they have to like teeter totter and then you're clapping and you're cheering them on and that gives them confidence to kind of go and then pretty much they're running um 
So that for me is kind of like, I feel like sometimes God is like, okay, fine. You could, you could teeter totter your way. And then he gives me little like affirmations, like, see, I told you, you know, cause you, again, you'll go back to feeling like your quirks are not enough or, you know, a, a thing it's, it's, it's a negative or you are again, back to, you're not good enough. You're all of these things. So for me, it's, it's that tuning into the voice of God and be like, okay, so this is affirming, or, you know, it could be for me, like, let's say in, in my medical practice for, for the longest time, I felt like, oh, I practice really different. People (laughs) like, People go in, they go out. Me, I will talk to you. I'll be like, okay, where, how is your heart? What is the, you know, like, and then I was like, maybe I'm, people are like, you should be a counselor. I'm like, well, it's part of it, right? It's part of it. It's so, supposed to be part of it. Um, But then it's like, well, you have to be rushed because you have time. You have, you know, all of these things. But then you look back and somebody be like, you know what? Thank you so much for blah. And then that's like, oh, okay. So that's like another affirming thing and affirming thing and affirming thing. Um, until you, 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 it's again, it's a daily, it's a daily process because life is hard. So then it will knock you down and then you have to get back and dust yourself yes. off again. And then you're like, okay. And then again, you get something affirming again, and then it's like, okay, you know, just keep going. So I think for me, it's simple as moment by moment affirmations, either from myself, like I keep notebooks or things either on my phone or wherever I can see it. So I can affirm myself and say, okay, you, you, you've got this, um, because people would tell you that you don't, um, mm-hmm. or, you know, and it can come from anywhere. It can come from administration. It can come from patient surveys. Mm-hmm. It can come <laughs> from bad reviews. It can come from, so everywhere we turn, there's a constant bombardment of telling you who you are not, mm-hmm. but you have to always come from within to affirm who you are um mm-hmm. so it's, it's always like a, a we're playing this counter thing like the seesaw you know it's like you have to one day this is winning but it's like no you have to you always have to uh, make sure that you are um affirming yourself and that's how I do it. Um, mm-hmm. It's not always perfect, um, but you know, I, I, I. That's my aim. Because if not, then I will just be a hot mess all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and you are in one of those professions where, oh gosh, yeah, the skin color, the mm-hmm. gender, all of those things, like can can be evaluated you know like they, that's what people can see patients can see and they they can choose to come to you just, they can choose not to come to you just because you're a black woman mm-hmm. you know like it's one of those things where you you, you try to not it's like don't focus on that but one yeah. thing you said about the whole piece with affirmation 
um, I have been studying more like about the word of God and the theology of everything that has to do with God. And one uh, lesson that I was listening to, the, the speaker was talking about, you know, what is bad theology and good theology? Good theology is when you read the word of God, you can immediately identify yourself in it. And mm -hmm. so instead of saying the Lord, you know, you say my Lord, my God, my savior. That means, you know, cause the word is for you. And mm -hmm. so if you're able to bring it into yourself, that's when you see God really working in your life. And affirmation is something that is so powerful that we, we as a society, we probably don't do enough of, but then even the families of origin that children grow up in, we don't do a good job of affirming our children and all that. Mm -hmm. And I had an aha moment um, last year, 2022, I remember I was writing my journal. I was writing about something. All of a sudden it just came through. You were never affirmed as a child. I, I seriously, Nana, I tried to go back, like sit down and try. I probably need hypnotherapy or something, but I tried to go back and be like, let me remember what the, what, who, who ever told me that I'm good at this, good at that. I don't remember anything. And I was like, wow. So you, you see that and then you grow up and you're put in the midst of whatever it is, your career, you know, you're thriving, but then you're still kind of like, I don't know, you know, so like what you said, moment by moment, you know, you do it a little bit and then mm -hmm. you wait for God to whisper something to you. And it's like, okay, I can do it. Mm -hmm. It is, oh gosh, when we are raising daughters now, it is so different. Cause I'm like, I got to let my daughter know what mm -hmm. I didn't know growing up, which is yeah. you can do this, all that stuff. And for you in the profession that you're in, so we're going to dive into a little bit of what you do. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the percentage is when it comes to Black female doctors, but tell us about what it feels like to be, and to be in Minnesota. <laughs> well, so let's create a big picture. In terms of medicine in general, it's about 2% are Black. Oof. And so we look at women and that it's even less than that. Um, so let's say 2% of all doctors in the U.S. are Black. Mm. So let that sink in. And then, yes, you come to the Midwest. Um, so in my, I was working or loosely still affiliated with a large company and if we take north, south, east, and west in the south metro area, so south Minneapolis, south of Minneapolis, in my clinic, I was the only black person, black physician or black providers, they call them these days. I was the only black one. Um, probably 30 minutes away, there was another um, male but he was in different specialty. But in terms of family medicine, um, I was the only one in in for my organization. Wow. And so, yeah, I mean, something I teach my kids um, is I wherever I show up, I belong. Huh. Um, <laughs> so, but I had to learn that because if not, you always kind of feel like you are, you know, 
Mm-hmm. You are, you are again, not enough, but I, I, I always tell them this, wherever I show up, I belong. Um, because I'm, I'm I bring something there. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I've even had one time I had a patient and, um, she had something, I think it was like shingles or something like that. And I was like, Hey, this is what it is. And she's like, no, it's not. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, can you get someone else's opinion? And I knew what she was getting at. So, well, there was nobody I can find, everybody was busy. So I found a white nurse practitioner and, um, I had her, you know, come check the patient. And she's like, yeah, Dr. Omar D'Souza is right. And so the patient said, oh, okay. <laughs> so then <laughs> I, well, I think I kind of know something. I, I may not know everything, but, you know, so, but those, those things I, I don't let get to me because I feel like when I walk into a room, whether you are for me or not for me, my job is to serve you. And I will make sure that I serve you. Um, so that when you leave there, you can be like, oh, okay, she she knew what she was doing, or she's different, or you know, I've had people say that I'm too preachy or I'm too whatever. Um I I was too, because again, like I mentioned earlier, I knew I was practicing differently. Because I I want to make sure that when you come tell me this, that, and I'm just not being like, okay, here you go. Here's your prescription. Because for me, that's not fulfilling. Um, and, and then I found out, oh, there's actually a whole angle of medicine called lifestyle medicine, which means they take like relationships, food, exercise, sleep, um, all of these things, and they merge it together and make sure that the patient is whole, is being treated as a whole. And so I was like, yeah, I think that is more (laughs) my lane. And so then I got board certified in that as well. And I feel like for me, people come to see me just because they know what they can get from me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't, I, I tell people like if they're talking about anxiety, depression, I'm like, you know, okay, I can guide you and whatever. And I always make sure they know, hey, you know, for my faith, this is what I do. Because yes, I feel anxious too sometimes, but this, that, and the other. Um, but I'm just like, yeah, you know, so I've had complaints, you know, be- because of many different whatever, but I don't let it bother me because again, what and that's when you talk about in Colossians doing what you do and doing it well and doing it with excellence like when you do that regardless of where you are people will what it is it says let your light shine before all men that they will see your good deeds right and praise your father in heaven so even if they don't agree with you they can be like okay yes there is something different about her Maybe, yes, she is too preachy or she is, she's always asking you how much you're sleeping and how much, what you're eating and are you exercising and are you whatever, but it's from a good place because if you, if we don't begin to treat the whole person, well, we are not really doing much, which is why the U.S., we spend all this money on healthcare, but we are also not the the healthiest. healthiest people's so 
it's Ooh. it's kind of one of those things where it's a challenge but I went into medicine because for me I felt like it was a calling mm-hmm. it was actually my personal statement um <laughs> I felt like yeah this is not I can't really see myself doing anything else yes I like many many different things but if I can connect a person and I can connect their dots and let them know, hey, if you do this, if you do this, you do just do just do this, maybe with a little bit of medicine or maybe with no medicine, I don't care which way you want to go, we can get you to the healthier version of you and I can empower you to live life well. If I can do that, then I've done my assignment. You've done your assignment and... <laughs> Never run out of salt, never dim your light is one of the ministry posts that we posted last week. And you just said it, you know, let your light shine. You know, and Jesus says, you know, salt and light in the world. And, you know, we know about imposter syndrome, whoever came up with that. And we've, we've, you've walked it. I have literally the past two years, I've been like, <laughs> where am I God? Why am I here? And it's, it's real, but all of these, you, you, the root of all of this imposter syndrome is really talking about what um, Dr. Walmart and I have talked about, which is the self-esteem, the self-worth, finding where you belong, all those things. And once you find that recipe that works for you, like she did, where she's practicing medicine, but she's also able to incorporate this and it's not the norm, you know, not a whole lot of doctors are doing it. And so what, right? this is your gift. This is what God has given it to you. This is how he wants you to practice medicine. And yeah, maybe you walk through shame. Maybe you walk through all that, but now you are where you belong and not every patient is for you. Right. And so if they come in, they don't like you or well, there are 98% other (laughs) doctors that that you can go see, but come and get into this place in your mental health where you've actually finally was like, not every patient is for me and that's okay. I am still going to let my light shine. I'm still going to season everybody I meet with whatever seasoning and flavoring that God Mm -hmm. wants me to give them. Get into this place of confidence, all of that. It took, it doesn't, it's not easy. I just want, dear sisters, I want you to hear, it's not easy. It's taking a lot of work, yeah a lot of work to get there. And so as we are coming down on our conversation and we can go on y'all, cause I told you, I could go on two hours with this, <laughs> this beautiful lady right here, but then it's going to be me editing two hours of work and I don't want to. So, so you've done so much work to get here. If I were to come to you as a patient, just give me a snippet of what you would do? Mm, I mean, it depends on what the patient is for, right? So let's say I can give you, uh, let's say, let's take a patient from Friday. So Friday patient has um, some back issues from work because, right, she's a single elderly woman, African-American woman working hard to down to her bones, right? To make ends meet because that is what you got to do. 
Um, and her back hurts and her job cut hours, but she's killing herself for extra hours, even though her back is hurting because she feels like she has no way out. Mm. And so, yes, I can deal with the back pain. I can deal with, you know, her anxiety, depression, get her meds and work her blood pressure. But if I don't touch the core of what is happening, she's just going to keep going. She's going to keep hurting herself. She's going to keep burning herself out. She's going to keep on and on. And then, yes, I gave her medicines and did all those things, but I, I didn't really change her life at all. Mm-hmm. And so for, for that visit, what we went through was, well, what is the core of the issue? Could, could she get better hours or maybe a part-time job somewhere else where she's not having to strain her back, right? So it's, it's having to really walk with people through their life even as a physician, but not putting your physician hat on, but putting your human being heart on, you know, (laughs) like you, I think that we miss it in medicine when we only put our science hat on and not the art, um, because medicine is a science and an art. If we, we are taught to go through metrics and numbers and medicines and blah, blah, blah. But if, if I can't touch the very essence of who she is and why she's going through all of these things, then yes, she would just keep going and eventually she'll retire and then that would be life. But we talked about it. We talked about, well, what can she do? Maybe she can apply for a different part-time job that requires that does not require so much of her. Or maybe she can just leave the job altogether. But again, that's when you see people are just stuck where they are because- mm-hmm they can't see out of this blinders that they've put themselves in. And so it was just literally me on the outside being like, Hey, well, have you thought about finding a different job? She's Mm -hmm. like, well, I've been here for 17 years. And right. And so that comfort, and I totally understand what comfort is like, because comfort where, where you feel the comfort, you feel like there's safety, but Mm -hmm. at what point do you also jump off the proverbial cliff because it's time to go because um if not life will be hard um because we are stuck in one way we think that that way is better but maybe that's not right and so that's an example of for me I feel the burden to walk people through that and not every doctor does that and there's nothing wrong with that but for me I feel like that's that's what makes medicine fulfilling for me. If I don't yeah. do that, then um, I, I probably should, I could do something else. Um, but, you know, it's a costly thing to walk in your calling, um, which I'm, I'm walking that right mm-hmm. now in terms of deciding to leave my big practice and I was ecstatic when she texted me that. I was like, oh, 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 oh. here comes yeah. the next challenge. But yes. God's got the it. Next challenge. God's got so, it. He's got it's, it. It's kind of one of those things where you just have to. Um, there's this verse I found in Ephesians. It says, walk in the way of love. Um, mm-hmm. And that's become my new thing. Walk mm-hmm. in the way of love. Walk in the way of love 
towards your freedom, towards mm-hmm. your dreams, towards purpose. your health, your purpose, your whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're not walking, like, first of all, if you don't leave, nothing changes, right? So if you look at Joshua, he was stuck threshing wheat in a wine press. Like, mm-hmm. how do you thresh wheat in the wine press? Like, the chaff is all over you, you're, you're stuck. And many of us are stuck in these places where we feel we feel like, well, that's where we should just be. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like, no, you can actually, you can actually change, you can change it. It's, it's painful. It's uncomfortable. It is stressful. You get, you wake up in the middle of the night, like, God, what have I done? <laughs> the what moment. am I smoking? Um, <sighs> but, um, but then the angel also turned around and told Gideon, go in the strength that you have. It's not the strength that I will give you, or it's about to come or whatever. It's already there. So it says, go in the strength that you have. So that's what we do. That's what we have to do. Um, because ultimately we're accountable for the callings and the giftings and everything else. I mean, listen, we do, (laughs) I'm working on a project about, um, imposter syndrome and I have sat on too many projects until recently. God was like, ah, you need to get your act together. So I actually have logged out of Instagram. I haven't been on there because this project requires my full attention. And everything that we've talked about today literally is confirming Mm -hmm. the messages that has been downloaded on my heart. And just hearing you talk about even just going when you don't know what, like just go, step into it walk you figure it out all that stuff and have fun along the way I know you're having fun along the way as you're building your practice <laughs> Divine fun <laughs> you know oh, like, I, you know, like god. oh god <laughs> my god it's like what are you doing it's a partnership and that's what sometimes we forget you know Sometimes at home growing up, you see, you know, just pray and wait, pray and wait, pray and wait. Well, it's pray and go, pray and go, pray and go. When, whenever he's telling you to be still, you will know when he's telling you to be still. Yeah. But when he's telling you to go and you're kind of like, ah, you know, that's when you have to talk. You have to remember what we talked about, fear. What's the fear, right? Am I confident? Why, what's going on? You have to ask yourself so many questions. My doctor here does not do what you do. He does does not ask me those questions. He's just like in and out, in and out, in and out. And I remember I went to my OBGYN, a famous person on TV who I wouldn't name because we live in Atlanta and she's on TV right now, (laughs) married to Medicine Q. Um, Yeah, I had to leave her practice because it got to a point I was telling my husband, James, I said, it's so impersonal. Mm-hmm. Like I go in and, you know, like OBGYN is intimate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I left and I, I went to a doctor that was a bit more personable, like, you know, like look at you, like you're a human being and talk to you. So Dr. Wilmot and I, I call her Nana, you know, like when you've grown up with me, it's like, okay, it's like you are doing what you're being called to do. And I, I just feel like whatever is there, 
you know, the people that you're supposed to touch are waiting and they will come. Mm. And I know this practice that you're opening, like I'm waiting for my invitation because I get to fly out to Minnesota. It's been a while. (laughs) The ribbon cutting, I'm waiting for the ribbon cutting, like let's cut this. But it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. And now you're starting to see that, you know, a lot more of the medical field, you know, if in psychological field, all these you are trying to make it more holistic, more of a well-rounded practice than just like one-sided. So, mm-hmm. so we are looking forward to what you can do and what you're willing to do. So yeah. quick fire yeah. questions. How is your heart? My heart, oh, that's a good one. Because right now it's kind of like, <laughs> my heart, yesterday I was having palpitations because I was like, Lord Jesus. Uh, so that's where my heart is. My heart is, is it's, it's, um, it's hopeful. And my heart is also kind of like, walking through uncertainty so it's it's this um, navigation of you know being hopeful and knowing that hey god has got you but also that fear of Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of uncertainty brewing Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and so that's honestly that's where where my heart is. is And that's where it is. And that's where it sometimes can rest, right? Yeah. Rest in the promises of God. Mm -hmm. And in February, I dealt with um, anxiety, yes, as a mental health professional, right? And I did not do medication because I personally, I don't believe in that. It's kind of like you can do it in so many different ways. And one of the ways that I did it was the book of Daniel. And after I finished Daniel, I was like, I didn't know Daniel was kind of messed up in the head like that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was like, Daniel was anxious, like a lot of anxiety going on with him. Yeah, he did it. But and and that's the reality that like, if you really look through the Bible, I remember the other night I woke up and I was thinking of that lady that had flour right was going to die she thought we're gonna eat and we're gonna die because that's all she saw but then like here comes elijah like hey give me some it was like what are you talking about I'm like i can't give you everything that i have and then i'm gonna die mm-hmm. but then she was like okay well kind of believed him and then she gave him and then she kept eating it's so it's kind of like where i am you know like you have that Oh, I should give you my, my last, my last little flower, my last little whatever. And you're going to, you know, multiply, change it and all that. But so, yeah, it, it's the vibe. It, it's one of those things that we, we have to that, back to trust and confidence, right? That whole confidence in the character of God, because if we look at everything else, then that's when we, we falter because. Mm-hmm. It, it's scary and it's looming large but. and someone looking at you is going to see the outside and now they're hearing your story and it's like wow you know if she can do it I can do it just a little bit of hope that's all you need your hope mm-hmm. is what propels your faith a little bit of hope will go a long way and you just have to yeah. whatever whatever source of hope that you have coming to you just 
latch onto it until the next one and until the next one and until the next one. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, it's, it's amazing. What does joy look like for you these days? Joy is just like, at the end of the day, like, oh God, I made it. I'm, I'm still standing. That's joy. That's, you know, it's simple as just going for a walk to just clear your head. And by the time you come back, you're, you're feeling like, okay, I've got this, you know, mm -hmm. or you're feeling hopeful, right? Mm -hmm. um, like we've talked about um, and feeling like, yeah, they're, 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 the best is yet to come, whether I know it or I don't know it or whatever, but um, that's what joy looks like. Joy looks like a good old, nice, brisk walk in, in the snow, cold Minnesota. No. Minnesota. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's joy. Joy is the little things, not really big things it's the little things it's the mm -hmm. little things let leave leave the community with you know a golden nugget or two for that young woman um I rarely do see that young black woman but knowing your profession and knowing yeah. how tough it is and you know what you've been through to get where you are you know speak to that young woman who is where you are or where we've been where they are trying to do something they're walking through imposter syndrome whatever it is and they're just looking for another sister who's been through it what would you say to them oh my goodness there's a lot but um I would say this sewing is risky business but it's the harvest is worth it right because no mm -hmm. farmer um Town's like, okay, I, I'm going to have like 20,000 bushels of whatever. <laughs> they just plant um, and they, you know, you, you kind of dig, you sow, you water, you, you <clears throat> prune, you do all those things and just watch it flourish, right? Um, but that planting season is hard because you're not sure of what kind of harvest you will get. But just know that you're not in charge of the harvest. You're in charge of the planting. Because if you don't plant, then there's no harvest. Mm -hmm. And so it's trusting that process and knowing that number one, you are enough to plant. <laughs> um, Gotta say it again. If, say it again. If, you, if you are... <laughs> Waiting to plant because you don't feel like you are enough to plant, then you will never plant. So it's knowing that, number one, I am enough to plant. Therefore, I should plant. And then after I plant, I water, which is your affirmations, which is getting into the right group of people, right? Um, surrounding yourself with the people who will encourage you, who will um, so into you who will really help you navigate life and just keep keep being con consistently showing up um, wh wherever you are whatever you're doing uh, but it's also not being derailed from your dreams if you whatever dream it is if it, even if it's hard as long as it's been whispered into your heart you didn't like magically conjure that thing <laughs> It's there for a purpose. Um, so just keep showing up. So 
plant, keep going, keep sowing, keep showing up. And in the end, you will look back and you would be like, wow, this is me. Because mm -hmm. I can tell you that that much is true. When mm -hmm. we were running around how many years back home, we would have never imagined that oh, our lives should be this way. Don't, don't bring um, the crew together. But <laughs> this is it. And God can do more than you could ever do, but he just needs your yes. So your yes is important. Your yes is required to plant. Mm -hmm. Without mm -hmm. that, you can't have a harvest. So yeah. That's yeah. it, but. Her, her life is a whole book y'all like you know whenever <laughs> it's, it's written one day <laughs> yeah whenever it's written we'll be here to advertise it and publicize it for you but it's coming where can people get a hold of you I know you're on Instagram yes yeah, so you can follow me at arise wellness med on social media on Instagram on Facebook and we have our website as well, arisewellnessmed.com. Dot com is our website. On um Facebook, we are Arise Medical and Wellness. And on Instagram, we are Arise Wellness Med. Yes. Yeah. Arise and shine for you. <laughs> I'll put that in the show notes. But it has been so fun talking to you. We didn't talk about other topics, kids, marriage. We didn't, we didn't talk about Sasha. <laughs> <laughs> Sasha is old, y'all. Sasha is an old lady. Oh, lady. Oh, but she still looks time. like a puppy. Yeah, she still looks like a puppy. But you'll be coming back. This is not the first and last, of course. You'll be coming back. But it has been great. It has been great catching up with you. Um, yeah, we, we've been to... The last time I couldn't make it to Minnesota was your 40th. I, I don't know. I had started... Well, I don't know what was going to start a school or something like that. But um, yeah, I know that there's more to come and I can't wait to, more to come. you know, more to come. And, you know, God is doing amazing things with yeah. your gift and continue to arise and shine. Yeah. And you too. Congratulations on the upcoming graduation. You just started and it's almost over. Listen, I just had a snippet of School of Medicine and I'm like, bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but see, you have to have the confidence to start. Remember, you're oh looking God. at your my mitosis and all. Oh, my God. I was like, <laughs> 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 I go from business to medicine. What is this? Like, you know, but one thing that I'll say is that the brain is so powerful. The brain, like it took me like the first few months. And after that, my brain was like, okay, this is the only language I know <laughs> now. So, but I am excited to be done. And yes, I have worked a lot of imposter syndrome during this time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but thank God for his mercies and his word that has kept me afloat. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. anyway i love you i love know you. you're going to do all awesome things and i can't wait for everybody to hear this conversation because i don't even know what title i'm giving it let's see <laughs> <laughs> i'll have to listen to it again and then i'll figure it out but hey uh -huh. greetings to francis yeah. greetings to the kids and enjoy cold weather minnesota it's like almost hey, it's, gonna be over here. it's gonna be 50s and 60s the rest of the week so woo
50s and 60s. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>